Well, welcome back to uh, Beautiful and Believable. And I'm continuing to uh, talk to some folks I met, uh, most of them for the first time, uh, down at the Micro Church Conference in Gainesville, Florida. I hope you heard our uh, interviews with Jeremy Stevens with Tampa Underground, and then these last uh, few with uh, new friends. And I'd like to introduce you today to another uh, new friend. We found ourselves at the same table, and as people do, we tended to gravitate back to the same table for the whole conference. So I got to know uh, my uh, my friend Logan Wolf, and uh, and your friend. What was his name? Nathan. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, welcome uh, to Logan. Nathan's not with us today, but th- they've been friends a long time. But uh, Logan yeah. Wolf. Uh, just I'll say a word about him, then I'll let him weigh in here from uh, Provo, Utah. Uh, you know a lot about him when you know that Provo, of course, right there in the middle of Mormon country, what, a couple of minutes from, uh, 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 oh boy, what are you, what are you going to call it? BYU, Brigham Young, sorry, BYU. So Logan, welcome to the Beautiful and Believable podcast, buddy. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I was just so taken by uh, your candor, your forthcoming. You're, you're down there at the Micro Church Conference. Uh, uh, I think that uh, you've benefited, I've benefited from uh, hearing you. Uh, I enjoyed hearing you tell the story. So let's start this way. Uh, since I don't know you that well, t- tell me a bit about uh, friends, about family, about uh, where you are in life right now. Yeah, uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife's name is Grayson. We've been married um, almost 14 years. We'll celebrate yeah. 14 years in May. And yeah. uh, we were married two years before moving to Utah as church uh, planners. Uh, yeah, I thought, what could I do that would cause a divorce? And then I moved here, <laughs> and then I moved here across the country. <laughs> and you, you nearly found out. No. Yeah, I was like, all right. So, um, now, what, what we, were you doing before the move to Utah? What were you doing to make a I living? I was a part-time uh youth pastor. Okay. And then, uh, I was a full-time exterminator. So, really exterminating yeah. what? Okay. Just, just check that. Yeah, no, it was a good job because you knew where not to eat. And so it was, it was a really good job. Wow. Um, two, so two years in, you pick up and move from the East coast. Is that right? We did. Yeah. From North Carolina. Okay. Um, and then we've, we've been here, um, we'll celebrate 11 years on May 12th. And, uh, we have since, since moving here, we have a five-year-old boy named Jacob and, uh, a, a two-year-old boy, um, named Benjamin. He turns two actually this month on the 31st. So well, congratulations. Yeah. My, my yes, youngest sir. one's a boy. His name is Benjamin. Great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so two boys and, yes, uh, 14 years of marriage and a move across country. Yes. Uh, and I, we, we don't need to go into your denomination, but I know it's some sort of a Baptist denomination. Is that right? Yeah, we I, that's, we grew up um, in a Baptist denomination and uh, all my kind of formal education that way. And mm-hmm. uh, now we're kind of, we basically function pretty much cross-denominationally or non-denominationally yeah. now that we're here. But yeah. 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 That, t- that tends to happen uh, when your own mission is you'll, you'll take your right, friends yeah. <laughs> wherever you can find them, right? But I say, if, if I would just <laughs> insisted on those inside my own camp, I wouldn't have any friends here. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Right. So I want to take you back to those days when you were moving across uh, the United States, risking a divorce, mm. uh, leaving the extermination uh, business. I think that's great. Uh and you had no one with you. Is that right? You guys just essentially yeah, parachuted in. We did. We moved by ourselves. We knew someone um, further north in Utah. Okay. But um, as far as, I mean, with, within an hour and a half or so, we didn't know anybody. So we, we okay. came in. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay, so if you can remember back that far, tell me what you thought was going to happen. What was life going to be like? What was <laughs> what, what were you going to accomplish for the kingdom? Just what yeah. was in your heart uh, all those those fourteen or, or twelve years ago now? I mean, I had been planning to come to Utah since I was sixteen years old. So oh. uh, there's been like this big build up to it, and okay, I, I feel like because that calling was so clear. And we were just gun ho going that direction, like like God was gonna do incredible things. I remember when I sat down with the missions agency that was gonna send us, uh-huh. and I told them like I said in two years, that's all I need. Give me two years, I'm gonna <laughs> crank it out. Like we're gonna be self supporting, we're gonna see all these all these things happen. And uh, anyway, two years came and went, and <laughs> <laughs> and you <laughs> were not we like self-supporting. Yeah. So, and then when we got here again with kind of that, I don't, almost like this Messiah complex of like, ah. I'm here, Lord, you can start saving people. Um, and it just, you know, it did not happen that way. We went to every door in town. We were at all these events, did all this advertising, ah. um, and basically nothing to, when we launched, you know, the whole launch model, um, nothing to show for it. I mean, it was, wow. it was almost like this crisis moment for us. So. Well, I would think it would be a fair, I want to, I want to ask about that a little bit. So yeah, classic model. I mean, and it works in a lot of places in the States, right? right? Yeah. Uh, you go to the suburbs of uh, Dallas, that's going to work. Right. Uh, right. Well, that's, and that's what I told my wife. I was like, man, if we did this back in North Carolina, we did exactly what we did. Yes, we would be up and it wouldn't even we'd be up you'd, and running. So. You'd be up and running. Uh, so this this is, of course, what missionaries call contextualization. You better yeah. pay attention. To, you better pay attention to where you actually are. Right? Yes, yes. I think it was so stupid. We we basically took church planning books and was just using them like checklist. And <laughs> you know, and just like this is what we do, right? This is how you start a church, and it just it flopped. Um, oh, right out of the gate. So, so okay. So let's go back to that moment. Uh, I, I promise I'll not try to uh, bring back terrible memories the whole time that we're talking to them. <laughs> but these these are so instructive, and you're so honest about them. I love it. Uh, so uh, you're you're doing the model, and that model does work, has worked in many yeah. other places. But now yeah. you're two minutes up the road from BYU uh, in Provo, a way different context than North Carolina or Arkansas yeah. or Texas. Uh, it flops. You, yeah. you pull off a launch Sunday and almost nobody comes. Is that right? Yeah. We had 14 people um, at our grand <laughs> opening service. And uh, and I think I told you this in Gainesville. Then for the next full year, no one came. It was just me and my wife. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. So 14 people at the launch service. At the launch service. And then for one year, you and your bride. Yes. Was it? That was it. It was, that was it. And it was so like, Oh my, I mean, it was terrible, but we would come because uh, we'd already rented the space. Yeah. So we would come and we'd set up and we'd wait by the door and, you know, just eager and no one would come. So I would just uh, preach to my wife. And, you would, uh, so you'd actually stand up and, and deliver whatever you'd prepared. And I, she I, was, I, yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and she would sit know. there and take it, man. Did you marry, <laughs> you married well. She's all a saint, bro. She's a <laughs> okay, so now in all seriousness, that had to be a shock to the system. What what was the yeah. conversation either between y'all or just between you and the Lord that year? Well, there was there was no doubt ever like at any point that we were supposed to be here. Wow! Um, like wow. I never once was like, would I misunderstand or is this a mistake? Like, it never crossed my mind, which I wow. think is probably why I was able to persist so long without seeing anything happen. 
like, you know, that whole wow. year of just me and my wife. And then these, these six, seven, eight years with little to no fruit. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I think if there was any doubt or struggle, I think we would have left a long time ago. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. um, but now great, my wife and I, Grayson, that's not to say we didn't go like there was depression and low points. My wife, especially that first year slumped mm. to, um, some dark depression mm. and, uh, just, you know, sleeping mm-hmm. till noon and getting up and just sitting on the mm-hmm. couch. Oh, you know, you know, you probably have mm-hmm. seen that or experienced that. It's not a yep. uncommon yep. thing in ministry, but nope, not at all. Um, so there was some points like that and we're trying to wrestle with what do we do with these emotions and, mm. Mm. you know, and I'm like, baby, is my sermons not, not help now? It's- <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh man. Okay. I want to ask you a couple things about that. Uh, yeah. Cause we've, uh, had my partner Jay Brenneman on here a few, a couple months ago talking about the call. Yeah. Uh, my main gig is vocare, which means call in Latin. And that's uh, where I spend most of my time. Uh, what's what, from your perspective, I love what you just said, but what is it about a call that lets you endure yeah. uh, what would what would look from the outside in as failure? Uh, talk a bit more about that. That was pretty powerful what you just said. Yeah, well, and that's one of those topics, even in, when it comes to articulating, I wrestle with because I feel yeah. like on, on one hand, I don't think anyone needs a call to make minutes, to do minutes. Like we're already commanded, like you're commanded. And yep. you're commissioned, you've been equipped, like Jesus has given us everything we need. Go make disciples. Like, yep. I don't think there's any excuse for anyone not to make disciples. Interesting. But that being said, I, from personal experience, and I think there's some biblical patterns for it, but then even anecdotally looking at it, co-labors in the ministry, I do think he gives us a burden mm. or a specific task mm. that he just, like it arrests us. Like you can't get away from it. Ah. Um, and, and I, I think that's kind of what Utah is for me. Like there's no, like I could not, I can't ever see leaving Utah. And I feel like right now, what? because it's, a, it's arresting my heart. Like, and so until oh. it lets go, I just like to the point, and this may be, this may be ridiculous that we, I did this. <laughs> I don't know if it was pride or presumption or whatever, but when we went and got, we had the boys, our boys were born. We went and got a will drawn up and in the will, it says I have to be buried in Utah when I die. What? <laughs> so, what? So I was, you know, I'm like, I'm here. Um, and wow. I guess when it's, you know, when it's, it holds your heart that way, it's like, I can't see going anywhere else. Like, I just, I can't see leaving. Okay. okay. So this, why well, that is, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, I'm blanking on her name, uh, the uh, writer who wrote uh, Dakota. Uh, and my partner Jay will use this phrase sometimes. She'll, she'll talk about spiritual geography. Mm. That it does seem that there's something about where we are that shapes us, yeah. and there's something about who we are that may, in fact, draw us to a. And she's talking about like literal geography. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can Can you articulate what What is it about Utah? The people? Is it the literal geography? Is it the need? Uh, is it Mormonism? I, I, what is it? I think it's the need. Um, and I feel, and I think I shared this with you in Gainesville, I think because I encountered that need so early like in high school, right. um, it's just something that's just part of my own spiritual development, maybe yes. just growing up. Yes. And I just, yes. I can't divorce it from, from my history and I oh, can't yeah. divorce. So I think that's a big, a big part of it. Now I lucked out and that, you know, 
the physical geography is beautiful here. Like this is a great place to be. <laughs> right, right, right. So, but it is something that is such a tremendous need. And I feel such a, um, I don't know, let me just say burden, maybe even an indebtedness to, to bring the gospel here to the people here. Uh -huh. Um, huh. I mean, I love it. I love it. Here. Wow. Okay. So I, I had forgotten about your high school story. So take take a minute and tell us that that a very personal story, yes. a little bit, little bit embarrassing about your uh, first run in uh, with oh a, a Mormon. Yeah. Yeah, more, yeah. So I grew up again. I grew up grew up in North Carolina. Um, I'm a believer in yes. in high school. Um, and in tenth grade, I encounter my very first Mormon. Okay. And I had never knew anything about Mormonism. I've never met a Mormon, <laughs> but it's it's a girl who sat sat in front of me in chemistry class, and uh, there's a little bit of chemistry between us. And, uh, 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 so, it helps so to meet she, a cute Mormon. <laughs> uh, she actually becomes my my very first girlfriend. Okay, and uh, we're dating for a month, mm -hmm. and her parents tell me after a month, like you have to read the Book of Mormon if you're gonna keep dating. And okay. so I'm like, you know, madly in like with this girl. So <laughs> I read, uh, I read not just the book of Mormon, but I read all their standard work. So the doctrine okay. and covenants and Pearl of Great Price. Okay. And I, uh, I don't, just as this young Christian, just a young, I mean, just, you know, not just spiritually immature, maybe, but just, I'm a, I'm a teenager. Yeah. Right. I'm like rest. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know have it all figured out. And I'm like, rest, <laughs> like, what am I reading here? Because you could read the book of Mormon so much as plagiarized from it that you go, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, so much comes from the Bible. Yeah. So much comes ah, from the sure. Bible, but these other books of scripture are like raising a lot of questions and red flags. Mm -hmm. So I go to the Christian bookstore, uh, something <laughs> okay. they have in North Carolina, but not in Utah. And uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I get, I get a terrible little book called fast facts on Mormonism. Okay. And it's, I mean, everything that's true, it's documented, but I think in its brevity, it just comes across mm. kind of condescending argumentative yep. almost. Yep. Um, and unfortunately I absorbed not just the content, but that attitude uh, and, uh, the posture of the attitude. Yep. Yes, sir. A terrible. <laughs> and I, I mean, so I go to this girl after I finished reading this book at a school in the hallway and mm. I say, look, um, your parents have lied to you and your church has lied to you Whoa. and you're working your way to hell. Whoa. And, this she is an actual conversation. That, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh the, so the shocking news is, is that she broke up with you after that. <laughs> I know. And it was so like, how, how oh, ridiculous are high school students? Because I, mm. I saw that going a hundred mm. different ways and it never mm. once dawned on me. She'd break up with me. Like I just thought like, okay. so it was a wow. heart wrenching experience for a couple, you know, several reasons, mm -hmm. but it was also catalytic because it mm. exposed me to this idea of grace plus works that I don't think I had ever given any thought to before. Ah, nice. And so I began to like read everything I could on Mormonism, stuff written by Mormons, ex-Mormons, Mormons turned Christians. I mean, mm -hmm. from Christian perspective, people have never been Mormon, read everything. I started meeting with the Mormon missionaries and going through all their lessons, um, probably to the really? point that my parents were freaking out a little bit. We're like, worried what is about you. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> Good for so, you, though. Wow. But it was, it was this... Like it was instrumental. And so even like, I feel God stirring me, like, I want to go make disciples. I want to, I want to reach people with the gospel. So I thought maybe just missions in general. So I went okay. and took this trip down to, to Brazil. I raised money myself. I went by myself and stayed with a missionary <laughs> there in Brazil <laughs> for three weeks. 
And I think I told you this in Gainesville. I don't mm-hmm. remember, but mm-hmm. I was seeing more Mormons in Brazil than I'd ever seen in, in, in North Carolina. In like, North Carolina, you know, yeah, there was like herds of Mormon missionaries just roaming the countryside. And um, I'm seeing that the very first temple built outside the U.S. The first Mormon temple is there in Brazil. I saw that ah. leaving the airport, and ah. it's just all this stuff stirring. And so by halfway through the trip, the guy, um, I think, very astute discerning just said, Hey man, why don't you tell me what's going on? Like what's going on in your heart? What, what is God showing you? And so I just unpacked all this and he said, you need to, uh, you need to go to Utah and just see if maybe God's calling you out West to Utah. And uh, he says, I know a guy whose brother is a church planner in Northern Utah and on okay. And uh, he says, I don't know him personally, but you know, go call him. <laughs> so I did. I don't know the guy. I came home from Brazil. I called him. I said, can I come spend like a long weekend with you? My parents talked to him to make sure he wasn't going to like, you know, kill yep. me or something. Yep. Um, and basically they sent me off and I came out here for three days and he showed me around Salt Lake City and Temple Square. And I mean, God got all over me like this is. Wow. So I've been coming. Wow. So from that time on, I'm still in high school. But every summer since then, I kept coming back to Utah, coming back to Utah. And uh, I think God just solidified that in my heart. So. Wow. I yeah. love I love how call can come at you sometimes like 90 miles an hour. Sometimes it sneaks up on you. This has been a long time brewing uh, for yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Well, let's ha- let me ask you about this then. Uh, okay. So you go out there and uh, you have landed and God is going to save Mormonism through you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, oh, uh, how ridiculous. Oh, mankind. Uh, you're a brave oh. man is all I got to say. And I think there's a pretty strong stubborn streak in there somewhere because <laughs> after – so you launch a year with, with essentially just you and Grace, your wife. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, another seven to eight years of very little fruit. Talk about the next six or seven years. Yeah. Uh, there was a tiny bit of movement, but not much. Just talk us through that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. We came out here to start a church and no one ever told us how to start a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, that's probably what, why we fell into using those church planning books, like checklists. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think one of my biggest, one of the biggest mistakes among many <laughs> mistakes was not having a solid biblical ecclesiology and Uh, understanding how church, what church is, what church is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That that was, Mm -hmm. I think one of our biggest mistakes. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we come in and we just were eventually we go through that year. Another couple moves out to help us. Mm. Um, We get, Mm. we're still meeting in the conference center, still doing mobile church. We get a little bit of traction. So we're averaging on Sundays about a dozen people, including our two families. Wow. Um, Okay. We do that for five years and we're doing mobile church for five years and we're doing everything we know. To, again, we're going, we're taking invitations door to door, not, not engaging people with the gospel, which I think yep. is what we should have been doing door to door, but mm-hmm. we were just invited into a service where they could to hear the service. gospel. Yep. Um, we're participating in every single community event we can participate in. Like yes. we've got booths at the farmer's market and booths at the women's expo and chamber of commerce and 4th of July festival. We even set up a booth at a wood carving show. Uh, I'm like, we're just, you know, anything we can get our name out there, we're anything, out there. anything. And so we would have big surges, like anniversary services. We'd have 40, 50, 60 people. Oh, baby. And then yeah. it would drop, they would drop back down. And these were friends and neighbors that just because they knew us, they would come. They're not interested in what we were, you know, leaving Mormonism <laughs> or anything, but they were friends yeah. or, you know, so mm-hmm. they would come support us in that, I guess. Yep. Um, 
five years in then, uh, a friend of mine in Taylorsville, so Salt Lake County, um, comes to me and says, man, I've been here 12 years. I'm burned out. I'm tired. Will you take over my church? Oh, okay. And I said, right. no, like I got my own mess going. I don't need to get other people's <laughs> messes. And uh, he's like, no, I don't want you to like leave Provo. He's like, but would you consider doing something like multi-site? Uh, how like big was merge? his uh, flock at that point? Do what? How big was his church at that point? So, yeah. So he was probably running 80 plus people. Okay. Um, and they had, they had a, their own building, a very large building right across from Taylorsville City Hall. Um, and, uh, you know, and he had a part-time worship leader with some, some staff. So I, I thought about it. But from the time he asked me that till the time he moved was one month. So okay. there's no wow. transition. We don't right. know how to do it. We're from two different <laughs> sending agencies. So there's all this conversation in the uh, background, like who's going to take the point, who gets. Sure. So um, it's chaos. Wow. <laughs> right. Well, we write the ship. I end up making the guy that moved to Provo to help me. I make him a campus pastor okay. in Provo. And then the guy, the worship leader up there, I make him a campus pastor up in Taylorsville. And then he's going to lead worship in both cities. Okay. They're about 45 minutes apart. All right. Um, and then I'm just going to go up there and preach Sunday morning. I'll come down to Provo and preach Sunday night. In fact, with that merger, it let us get out of the conference center and we got our own building in Provo right across from huh? Brigham Young University. So now we have two buildings. I've okay. got two staff members. Wow. I kind of I thought I'd arrive, man. I was man, like, you got it going on after five this, years of hard, disappointing <laughs> work, right? <laughs> I did. And it was like such a like a pride because when we were getting ready to move out here, like people were telling us like, get out there and you know, start yourself a building fund. You got to get a building fund right away because Mormons are going to expect a building. You know, you got to have a church <laughs> building. And now all of a sudden I have two buildings and I'm thinking – I hey, am baby. twice as successful <laughs> as every person that gave to get me out. This is it, man. And uh, anyway. Wow. I, I, <laughs> it's okay. I love it. Oh, it's ridiculous. So we did that um, for a few years, a couple of years. Hmm. And I began to, to get kind of discontent in my heart. Hmm. Um, not bored, not uh, anything like that, but like, like a frustration. Like I'm looking, I'm looking at my church and realizing there's no one here that I have led to Jesus and discipled. Uh, like we are like, this is just, it's just attractional, right? Um, wow. People coming in and they're, you know, watching me put on this very, very uh, poorly produced underfunded one man <laughs> show every week. And like, this is like, I'm getting a little, little frustrated with it. And so I realized we're not making, we're not making disciples. So it's not just mm. me, but I don't, that's not happening. So we, mm. I thought I could correct it with a sermon series. Um, <laughs> I love it. That's how we all think. Isn't it? I, I, like, we all think that sermon. way. <laughs> if I just get a four part sermon series with a great hashtag, um, you know, it'll oh be, my gosh. it'll fix it. So I did, I started preaching like on the great commandment. And I did this mm. whole series on neighboring. I mm. preached on like the great commission. I started mm. preaching through all the one another, you know, there's 49 one another commands. I started yep. preaching through all those yep. wow. trying to go, here's what the church is supposed to be doing. And, and, uh, man, just nothing happening. And, mm. uh, mm. I began preaching through acts verse by verse through acts. Mm. And, uh, all that was doing was stoking the discontent in my heart. Cause what I'm yes. reading and then I'm looking up and like, I'm like, what is the disconnect? Like, what is the, like, what is the problem here? Did you find and yourself getting angry with your, with your people? Yes. I did. And yeah, I, I remember yes. what, dude, I was getting so angry. I remember one Sunday and 
just in the flesh, just told him from the. Pl- I was like, "You guys, are just a bunch of spectators and just a bunch of consumers. And you just come and sit and watch." And then it dawned on me. Mm. I said at the end of the mm. message, "I'm like, come back next week and watch as we continue this series." And you said it. Oh man! And I, it was like this epiphany, and I'm like, "This is not their fault." Like mm. the system, the structure I've put in place has given us exactly what we got. Mm, And mm, I can't mm. be upset that they're just coming in and sitting and listening to me because that's all I've ever told them is expected of them. Like this is true. Oh my gosh. So I'm, I'm wrestling. I'm like, okay, so this is a leadership problem. This is my fault. Um, and it's a deep D and like, it's a DNA problem. Like we gotta, Mm. we gotta fix it. So I'm just continue to preach through, through acts and I'm trying to talk with people one-on-one about what I'm learning and what we're teaching and just keep going. And I remember getting to act 17 and this was act 17 was like a tipping point for me Ah, okay. because you've got the disciples um, in Thessalonica and they're drugged before the authorities. You know the story and they're, they're, they're accused of turning the world upside down and all they're doing is making disciples. It's not like big political rallies. It's not a coup. It's just making (laughs) disciples. And it's so disruptive to this Gentile city that the only way they can describe it is our world's being turned upside down. And I remember reading that and then, Mm. and then preaching it to our church, both campuses Mm. and, and uh, telling them like, guys, no one would ever accuse us of this. Wow. Like we're not doing anything here that, is turning Utah upside down. Wow. There's nothing of eternal significance happening. And uh, at that point I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to dismantle the structure. And so did, did you know what, did you know at that point what you were going to do or just no, what you, not. just what you're not going to do anymore? I just, I'm not doing this anymore. I did not okay. move across the country to play at church uh-huh. And to have even all my time, all of our money going towards these older buildings we're trying to maintain and just the urgency of the Sunday and all my time uh-huh. being spent in the study. Like all, I'm not out engaging, making disciples. I'm writing sermons, you know, 12, 15 hours yep. a week. Yep. And like that's that's this isn't working. So wow. wow. over the course, but from out of that, we begin to we were introduced to the idea and begin to flirt with the idea of what would house churches look like okay um it would eliminate the the physical structure that's taken right. up so much of our time and energy and money and money yep and then it would free up i thought so much money then it would free up the time okay to actually begin to make disciples and it would be from what i understood an environment where we could get other people involved in that process like i i wouldn't have to be the only one doing yeah. quote-unquote ministry and so the thing is I'd never seen a house church. Right. And, and I'd never been, none of us had. It was all like, it was all theory. So we're taking the next several months then, and I'm casting vision and for multiplication and spiritual development, and I'm casting vision for these house churches, and I have no idea what I'm actually talking about. Wow. And, <laughs> like, like I, I say, no, you're a brave man's all I got to say. I have no, well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, stupid might be the word, but I don't know if I'm brave. No clue. And so we uh, we thought we were preparing people. Again, hindsight, we probably could have took much longer, much slower, mm. over-communicated. Um, yep. Yep. But we sold the buildings. Okay. 
So we got rid of both. Of, it's like, you know, Cortez okay. comes to the new world. Yep. Burn the ships. Gets, burns the ships, <laughs> um, which is a jerk move, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, it gets the point across. And that's kind of what I was like, guys, this is not a, I'm not giving us a safety net because safety nets keep you from committing, right? You're like, well, if we fail, we can go back to the building. <laughs> and I'm like, no, like we're not going to go back. And so we sold the buildings. And so from the last Sunday in the buildings to the first Sunday in the house churches, we lost. 60% of our church. I, I was about to ask, so how were you before the buildings and how big was the core group after you sell? So we hit an, an attendance high that previous, that year mm-hmm. of 152, 153. Whoa. Okay. So yeah. So then, um, and that wasn't every Sunday, but that was, sure, that sure. was, a, that was a good, we weren't far off from it. Right. Um, and so we lost a chunk of people, man. Like it was, it was wow. crazy. And I was so frustrated with it because it's like, you couldn't even just show up and just see what we're talking. Like there wasn't even like this, yeah. you know, but it also, so while I'm upset, I'm almost, I'm frustrated. I'm panicking some, cause like the buildings are gone. Like this, <laughs> <laughs> I lost half my people and the buildings are gone. Whose idea uh, was this? I was like, what is this? Yeah, what's happening? Uh, but it, it did affirm, like I was like, okay, all this does is confirm what I, what I already saw. Like there was, there was spectatorship and there was consumerism. And while I may have fed that, it was, it was a reality. So, you know, this wasn't necessarily a bad thing. So we go into these house churches. We don't know how to, like, we just, we're just stumbling through them. Like we don't know what to do. And you know, house church can tend to swing to two extremes. It can turn this into a social club or it can turn into just like a a traditional church service in your living room where you go. So it's like, we're bouncing between, we're bouncing between these extremes. Now, what year is this? What what calendar year is this? uh, 2019. Okay. 2019. January 2019. Okay. Uh, so we're figuring all this mess out and, uh, we had two, because we lost so many people, we just started with two house churches. Mm. Um, the plan was to start with four. We did very quickly add mm. a third one. And okay. then in six months, we added a fourth one. Okay. And by the end of the year, we added a fifth one. And Whoa. so here's, which sounds like, Oh, multiplication. No. I had to be at every one of those house churches. Oh, brother! Because oh, they were, sitting, I had to lead them. Yep. And yep. they're in they're in five different cities. Oh my! And gosh. they're meeting at five different times. So most of my whole Sunday, I'm bouncing between these. You're out of your mind. Houses. This was ridiculous. <laughs> and I had people like, trying to get where I didn't have to go to all of them. I had, uh-huh. but they were. I mean, they were so still tied to me. And uh, and so I had to. Here's like, I mean, God's like speaking, show me. Like, look here you're talking about equipping people and you're talking mm. about releasing people and you're talking about multiplication mm. and you mm. don't know how to do that. Mm. And I realized like this again, it's a leadership problem. I, for all the, the verbiage, I didn't know how to actually release the ministry to people. Uh. And so I'm like, this is gone. Oh my goodness. Now there's no buildings to sell. So we can't start over. Like, I don't know what to do. So we, we, we resorbed the churches. We went back to two and, uh, we actually got someone to come and provide some some coaching. Um, I don't. Are you familiar with E three Partners? E three, so, yeah, somewhere I've heard of E three. Okay, they, they, yeah. they do a lot of movement stuff. Okay. And anyway, yeah. there was a brother that I just crossed paths with. Okay. Um, years before here in Utah, okay. who was working with E three Partners, okay. and so he said, "Hey, I'm I'm willing to move my family to Salt Lake County for about a year hmm. if if you want some coaching and some help." 
And uh, I thought that, man, that was a blessing. And so he yeah, did, he came down. Yeah. yeah. Right. And he basically was starting to give us some tools and some principles, hmm. um, you know, not like hooks, not like boxes to, you yeah. know, house churches, right, but there's like, here's some things to yeah. consider. And are you doing these things? And do people understand these, these truths? And it was like, okay, now we're uh, getting in the swing of things. Uh, and uh, we're seeing some some deep spiritual health start to happen. Okay. Um, things that people, some of the people that had stayed with us through the transition, all of a sudden are confessing these deep sins that uh, had been there the whole time, like for but years. You, but, even. but you're not going to talk about it on Sunday That's morning. That's exactly right. <laughs> they were sitting in the back row, no yep. interaction, no engagement, and no one knew. And then all mm. of a sudden where there's this mm. conversation and there's a space for care and the space for prayer and confession and encouragement mm. and things are starting to come and God just begins to shape and dude, he's drawing, I'm talking about I'm mm. just deep sins starting to come wow. out like this. Wow. So, and I'm like, okay, this is like, he's doing things in my heart. Now he's doing this in the body. And it's like, that's what, if you're going to talk multiplication, you want healthy multiplication. Like we can't, we don't, we don't want to just multiply broken. You know, we want to multiply health. And so, <laughs> and I think that's exactly what he was doing. And he, okay. he, he brought new people in. He took people out. I mean, there was a, it was a man, powerful season. And wow. then, uh, and then COVID hit. Yep. So, <laughs> yep. And all the churches, including the Mormon church, just stopped me as a Mormon, just stopped. No one's going to church in Utah. And we are, because we, we push these house churches into smaller groups. Now we just continued to meet. Okay. So we didn't stop. Like it was actually, actually, hmm. okay. We're actually like, I think we're kind of, this is our bread and butter guys. Like, yeah. this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is our time. Like, this is it. Guys. Let's not mess this up. <laughs> and we're continuing to learn and grow and God's still pulling things out and shaping and teaching us. And, and then we get to about July of 2020. Okay. And I wake up and I've got a text message and it's a video of one of the brothers from Salt Lake County baptizing his coworker in the bathtub. And this okay. was, this was you the, had, like, this you had nothing it. to do with it. You and just got the video with this. This okay. was insane. So I'm like, wow, like this is the first clear evidence that of what we're trying to do. Like someone mm -hmm. we've equipped someone and they have turned around He'd been doing a discovery Bible study with his coworker during their lunch break okay. and ends up leading the faith and baptizing it. And I'm like rejoicing in this. And then instantly all this fear and pride <laughs> come up in my heart, <laughs> like overwhelming and the pr like pride, like, well, why didn't he tell me ahead of time? Like, why couldn't I have been there? Like what, you know, what's, what's he, you know, does he think he doesn't need me? And then the fear of like, well, does he know what to do? Is he going to be able to disciple? What's people going to think that are supporting us from outside the state when they realize I wasn't there. You weren't and even like, there. Right. Bro. And I'm, and if wow. you had told me, cause of all the mess we'd already gone through with this transition and doing, you know, in spite of what people that were going to sell the building, this is what God's calling us to. If you had told me I had fear of man in my heart or even pride, mm. I would have said, there's no way. Mm. And then yeah, there was so much more there. It was like so much there. And um, Don't you hate it and love I it do. all at the same time? Oh, my gosh. Wow. So that was the first. So then it just keeps happening. And as of last Sunday, from that first time, July 2020, as of last, okay. we've seen 67 men and women profess faith and be baptized. What and it's, it's, and I don't say that I, I don't say that boastingly because I didn't do that. Like I didn't baptize 67 people. Right. Uh, right. I've, 
<laughs> I wish that'd be awesome. But like maybe half a dozen of those, maybe I've led to faith and baptized. But it's like it's someone, maybe half a dozen. Maybe maybe half a dozen. Yeah, don't skim by that. So maybe half a dozen of those almost were, seventy were me. And yeah, okay. the rest were people, other people. Just, so other okay. other co-laborers, because now we're, we're now we're this network of house churches. So there's a lot of first generation um, yeah. just like here. And then but now a chunk of those, and this was what's so cool, are second, third, and fourth right. generation. So like a, one of these brothers that I led to faith and baptized when we were still in the buildings, okay. He ends up leading his one of his best friends to faith and baptizing mm-hmm. him. And then that friend turns around and leads his wife to faith and baptizes her. <laughs> and she turns around and baptizes someone like, so that's, so that chick, that lady doesn't know who I am. Right. right? right. No clue who I am. And in fact, so it's like, and that's, we've got like three, two and three, three and four streams where you have multiple generations of disciple making. Wow. And, and uh, you know, and I'm, I don't think, I mean, we're, I think this is the first fruit of what God is going to do here in Utah. Uh, um, but I just love, it is very much a, I don't like it's gonna like if I was removed from the picture, I don't doubt at all that the work would continue uh-huh. because there's enough brothers and sisters here that uh-huh. caught the vision and have the tools and the confidence through Christ to yes. step out and just keep doing it. Wow. Um, so, and again, I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, but I think we're on the like, I think just more that's gonna come. Like, I just think we're seeing the first fruits of, of all that's coming down the pipeline here. So it's a, it's a really <laughs> exciting. Really exciting season, man! It's awesome, dude. Man, well, I, I heard some snippets of this, of course, at the conference. You should have been presenting at the conference, man. This, you know, <laughs> you know not, those people don't know who I am. They don't know who you are, and and, and not because you, you're you're an expert, but you're an expert in this way. You've lived it. I love, yeah. I love your candor about how you started the failure. Mm. That's probably the best word for it. Uh, the disillusionment. <laughs> Come into terms with your own pride. And then, of course, I'm, I'm like uh, 30 to 40 years older than you. And I can only tell you that that owning, owning your pride and arrogance for me has been a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like I never had my I didn't have my last pride woodshedding from the Lord like 50 years ago. <laughs> it happens continuously. OK, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, but but the, and that's that is and it is sinful and it is prideful and. Uh, it's somehow in the Lord's grace, he'll use that confidence that someone like you has to keep trying and to keep right. going. It's kind of a, a bit of a light and shadow of a, of a strong gift. Well, and I'm learning that. And even, even through this, even with all this good stuff happening, I, he's pointed out at times like, Logan, there's a chip on your shoulder. Yeah, because I was finding myself sharing things on social media, like praise mm-hmm. God, two people baptized <laughs> today, but I was sharing it on social media to get at the people that were running their mouths about us out of the state when we sold our buildings. Yep. And so yep. here's, here's this incredible thing God's doing. And I was perverting it yep. because I was, yep. because I was angry. And so yep. it ended up like, again, you're right. I and mean, that was more recent than even those other instances. I ended up, <laughs> I've gotten off all social media. I just deleted okay. it because I was like, this, okay. all this is doing is feeding that. And I, this I, is bad I, for your soul right yeah. now. I can't do that. So it was, yeah. Ugh. Good for you. Well, well, I don't know if that feels mature to you or not. All I can do is encourage you. That's a very mature response because yeah. for for those of us uh, who uh, either are clergy or were clergy, this this maybe is the biggest uh, manhole that we step into. Is yeah. this is this pride underneath the veneer from the pulpit anyway <laughs> of humility and we'll we'll tell a story on ourselves in the pulpit and everybody thinks, oh, isn't he humble? And the fact. Of the matter is, it's one of the biggest traps for clergy. Yeah. 
this. So I, I really appreciate your candor. It's what caught my ear when sure. I met you in Gainesville. Okay. Okay. So I want to ask you to uh, go out on a limb a little bit here. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we met in Gainesville. Uh, lot, oh, I met so so many deep-hearted, well-intentioned people in Gainesville. There was mm-hmm. also irony in Gainesville, and they noticed it. They, even they said from up front, here we are <laughs> talking about microchurch in a, in a mega church. Uh, and so, there was, you know, anywhere there's human beings, there's always irony yeah. and contradictions and uh, all that business. What did you take away? What did you learn? What are you worried about? What are you encouraged about right now in the body of Christ? Just talk yeah. about that for a bit. Yeah. Um, I was really encouraged by the geographical diversity that was represented in the room. Well, there was a lot. You're right. Yeah. It was more, it was more than a dozen states. It was three different countries. Yeah. Uh, several more, countries, yeah. lots it of was, states. Yep. Um, that was so, and I, I tell you, how, doing house church, or you know, mm. they're, they're calling it micro church, which mm-hmm. I, there's probably some nuances to it, but sure. um, it can feel like you're in a living room, you're on a couch, you're at a dining room <laughs> table, you're in a, it feels very small. Sure, sure. And if, and if you, you drift from the Great Commission, if you drift from God's heart, you start looking at the smallness of it and it can feel lonely. And so that's why it's so good to go to things like that or to network outside of your own, your own church, yes. to be able to look up and say, oh, we're actually part of something much, much bigger. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not just us. Like, this is, mm-hmm. this is brothers and sisters all over the country mm-hmm. and around the world. Mm-hmm. And God's doing what we're seeing here. I, I mean, I'm grateful to be able to share what, what we are seeing in this season. I know it's not unique to us because I heard, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just God's doing mm-hmm. stuff like that all over the world. And it's mm-hmm. just like, we're part of that. So mm-hmm. that was really encouraging to me, <laughs> like uh-huh. super, super encouraging to my heart. Like if for no other reason, like that was the, one of the best things um, mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think uh, there's still this tension and uh, between the traditional box mm-hmm. legacy churches and maybe yes. these, these smaller expressions of, yes. of church. Yeah. And I think uh, I didn't feel it there. The, the, no. the tension was mentioned, though. I think I, mean, I thought the way they even the way that those brothers and sisters who presented talked about legacy yep. churches and such a respectful yep. and respectful. It I, was. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great because um, mm-hmm. I've not mm-hmm. always done that. Right. But, right. But it was. They were. But it was very mm-hmm. uh, gracious. And, and I, but they, the tension between the two was not ignored. Right. And I think sometimes people gathering in a living room or in a front yard or in a park is looked on as not, that's not church. And I think so long as we have that perspective, like church only happens in these walls or under a a logo or like, I I think we're, we're going to bottleneck what God intends to do um, around us. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't know the answer to that. I'm sure networking, relationship building, prayer is all going to be pieces of it, but the tension is still there. So anyway. Well, that's, I, I appreciate that. I, I love your observations. I think that's right. Uh, I'm glad to hear you talk about networking. I think that's, I think that's key anyway to movement yeah. in general, but it certainly is key for not feeling alone. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, earlier this week I, uh, or last week, I talked to uh, Kevin Pimblot from St. Louis with Canvas Network. They're pretty much a startup, but he's got long history in ministry. Same thing. Network is almost like uh, in some ways, saving them, but isn't mm. just uh, to have network encourages when you feel so alone. Yeah. Uh, so let me yeah. ask you this: This is not a litmus test. I would just wonder how would how would you say today? How would you answer this question? What is church? I'm not looking for the 
the the Bible college answer. I'm just wondering how would you how would you how would you kind of try to communicate to someone who's not a churchy person? What not is a church? Yeah. Not a churchy person. What's what's church? Man, that's a good question. I would maybe to not a churchy person. I would say it's a a group of men and women who have decided to follow Jesus, hmm. gathering together to learn how to better do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because then if any follow-up questions that come to that, you can talk about worship or prayer or the <laughs> word or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I mm-hmm. think if just to get down to it, it's I want, I'm going that way and I need to learn how to do it better. And I'm doing that with other people. Other, with other people. Yeah. And, is what do you think? Again, this is not litmus test. I'm really curious how you think about this sort of thing. <laughs> As some of us do that, and perhaps we do it better. Perhaps we screw up again, and then we regroup and we we mm. try something else. If we actually can get better at following Him, uh, what's the end game? What does that accomplish? If we can get better at following Him. What does that accomplish? What is that for accomplish? us? For the world? Yeah. For I think it I think it goes right back to Genesis okay. when God's desire was to see his glory multiplied over the face of the earth right. as his creation who reflects his glory yes spread out yes. and so I think that's 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 the creation I creation idea yes. right, or ideal so yes. I think going back to that as as men and women are following Jesus and then teaching others to follow Jesus and you see this kind of multiplication and spread the actual glory of the creator of the universe is magnified and spread across uh, the earth. Ah, uh, wow. Love that. Okay. How, how, how would you, how would you react to this? What would you be concerned about with this idea? Yeah. That as, as us followers of Jesus actually begin to love our neighbor, as we double down on actually following him and not just mm-hmm. talking about him, but, uh, but following him. Uh, see, I would say, especially with my uh, non-Christian and my none and done friends that I have, mm-hmm. that that really what we're about is the Jesus way of human flourishing. Jesus way of human flourishing. That 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 when he talks about abundant life, it certainly includes the afterlife. But he's really actually talking yeah. about life now. What yeah. would be your? Uh, what about that? Do you like? What about that would cause you a little uh, concern? Uh, I like all of it. So, <laughs> well, that, that that is very much true, right? Because if we're going to say Jesus is our Lord, hmm. and Lord is it means all like everything I'm submitting to Him, every area of my life. So it's not just this hour on Sunday, but I mean, it's my finances, it's my career, mm-hmm. it's my family, mm-hmm. it's my my sexuality, it's my. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could just go to everything, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, well, then you would expect then Him to bring eternal transformation uh, radical to each of those single area each of those areas right so i completely agree with that like that's he he will call, he will bring those things back to the way they were intended uh, at, at creation you um, know i love i love that you first mentioned genesis because that's that's my understanding too when you when you flip over a few chapters and you have the promise to abraham yeah and and then the long sometimes tortured history of israel that mm. then uh, finds its fulfillment in israel's messiah jesus yeah, but the whole it's a long, long story about restoring what it was meant to be. Yes, sir. And and uh, you know the imagery is strong: paradise, Garden of Eden, yeah. uh, 
walking with the creator in the cool of the evening, those those word pictures that we get out of Genesis uh, 1 and 2, and they stir our hearts. And then the end of the Bible, of course, Revelation, again, there's no need for a temple. He's the light. I love that. The tree of life is there again. It yeah. just stirs our hearts. Something about this is how it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also gives us this great hope, right? Because for all the frustration and the heartache and the tears and, and the difficulties and the things we see going on in the world or in our own homes, we look, we have this picture in Revelation as it ends. It ends the way he intended it. Like that he's working still. Like, so this isn't it. Like the, this isn't it. He's still at work and he will be at work and, it, and his purposes will come to fruition. Oh, it's, it's, this is eternity writ in our hearts. Amen. It's, it's, it's just in there. Well, okay. All right. I think we've yacked for about an hour, which is about probably <laughs> the limit of patience of our listeners, but it's been great. Uh, Logan Wolf, Provo, Utah. Uh, one of the most honest guys I've met in a long time. I love your candor about yourself and uh, your journey. Uh, I think, uh, I think guys are going to be able to find you on the web in the show notes. We're going to make sure. But what's the website off the top of your head? Is there a website? Yeah, for the church, it's crosspointutah.com. Okay. Um, and then I've got a, a link tree, you know, link yeah. tree is a, it's Logan Wolf slash Logan Wolf. So. Great. Great. So uh, track this guy down. Uh, watch what happens with him. Heck, who knows what's going to happen in the future? Given your last 10 years, who knows what the next 10 uh, will be like. And uh, so thank you. Thanks for taking the time, Logan. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, and, and to our listeners, man, thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoyed Logan Wolf. And uh, we'll see you next time. Much love. Much love.